Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. To hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, TikTok, the Chinese-owned app known for popular dance videos and creative tips for everyday tasks, has changed the way people use and go viral on social media. The video-sharing platform exploded in popularity during COVID, becoming the world's most downloaded app in 2020. With school buildings shut down, a generation of young people looking for connection and entertainment founded on TikTok, as did others captivated by the clever and amusing short films. Just this month, TikTok announced that more than one billion people use the app globally. TikTok has produced thousands of social media influencers, content creators who attract large numbers of followers and views. Some of them have now joined forces to establish TikTok houses with some members living and posting content together full time. And one local TikTok house is getting a taste of fame by posting about all things Massachusetts. The ultimate goal, lucrative brand deals and celebrity. Is this trend the next wave of social media? And what does it mean to be TikTok famous? Later in the show, black and brown artists have historically had limited representation in art galleries. Will the digital art market be a more equitable place to buy and sell art? Absolutely. Every single, from the commissions, um, people offering, you know, asking me if I do commissions because they've seen a portrait of mine on social media, on Twitter. Um, that comes in all the, every day now. It used to be every once in a while. Now it's every day. But first, joining me now, Rebecca Jennings, senior reporter covering internet culture at The Goods by Vox. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to have you. Also with me, Kyle Gove, owner and manager of local TikTok group, The Mass House. Kyle is a freshman at College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. Hi, Kyle. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm going to start with you, Rebecca. You were an early adopter of TikTok in 2018 when it first came out. And in fact, you did one of the first what is TikTok explainers for (laughs) everybody else. How did you know then or did you know then that this was going to be a big deal? So it's funny because I kept going back to TikTok when it first kind of came out because everything on there was so cringeworthy that I kind of couldn't stop watching. And so I would tell people, I'm like, there's this really weird app and it's kind of like bizarre. Um, And then after a while I would go on and I would realize that a lot of the people there were hilarious or talented or something. And I, I, I started like going on for like seven hours at a time and then realizing that like, oh, I missed dinner. Like it completely <laughs> consumed an afternoon with barely no effort. So I, I was pretty sure that like anything this powerful, you know, is really going to be good at captivating people. And I was pretty sure it was going to be a big deal. Mm. Well, this is your job, of course, to follow it more closely. So since then, how would you say you've seen it grow and or change? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think like the huge, huge turning point for TikTok was the pandemic. For a while, I was writing stories about TikTok, you know, for a year and a half before the pandemic happened and people would care, but it was always like, oh, that's like some app for kids, like whatever the, the teenagers are into. And then the pandemic happened. And I think what happened was a lot of uh, kids went back to live with their parents. And so their parents were sort of like, hey, what are you up to on your phone there? Uh, and they would make videos together. And the internet just became the only place that people could connect for so long. And so that was how TikTok just completely exploded into the national consciousness. So then, generally speaking, during that time and, you know, and as we now call the before times, it was the focus was on individual creators, you know, some one person, maybe with a friend at best, doing a film or a video and making a comment, so so forth and so on. And now there's been a movement toward what they're calling TikTok houses, which essentially are collaborations with a lot of people coming together to create content. Now, talk to me, Rebecca, about why this is a significant change and what it means. Explain how it works. Yeah, absolutely. So I think TikTok succeeds in sort of getting individuals famous because it feels really intimate, right? Like it feels like you're FaceTiming with a friend. And so when people, you know, have these sort of parasocial relationships with these influencers that they see on their phone, what's even more exciting is seeing the influencers that you know and love and watch all together. And so it was sort of like the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, that, you know, the Hype House launched. It was this very buzzy house. It was this mansion in LA that was all these really famous TikTok creators that had gotten big from dancing in front of their phones, you know, living their normal lives. And then suddenly they were in this giant mansion, you know, getting all this press, getting all these sponsorships. And so I, I think because, you know, when you get more influencers together in a room, that adds to the clout that they have really. And I think it wasn't until that happened that we got like real mainstream attention on TikTok and where it was going to take the culture. Uh, that's my guest, Rebecca Jennings. She's a senior reporter at Vox, covering internet culture at The Goods. Now over to you, Kyle Gove, owner and manager of said TikTok house, The Mass House. So first, were you an individual creator before joining this group? Yeah, so actually before creating this with a couple friends, I had an account for about, I'd say, five months, six months posting on my own. Um, I was getting some traction. It was doing all right. Um, I think I had 10K followers at the time or 15K followers at the time that uh, we started the Mass House. But um, originally I was just posting on my own and I collaborated with some people that are now my friends um, over time. And we kind of just like from there, we were like, oh, like, I think it makes more sense if we start posting all on the same account and stuff like that. But everything did originate from us just having our own personal accounts. So why have a group though? I mean, what what, what did you think would be uh, better for you all because you could have still been friends and refer people to each other or tag each other or whatever and still done your individual thing. But something drew you to wanting to be, so to speak, under one roof. And we should say that some of the houses are literal houses where people live in them, as um, Rebecca referred to Hype House. And others are a collective where you don't necessarily live there, but you operate as a group. Yeah. So so what, what was, why, why did you think it was better to, for all of you to come together? Um, I think it was better for all of us to come together. Um, at that time, it was like first taking off as like a big trend. We wanted to kind of like get under that like wing of, um, I guess, like popularity at that time. But also because we just enjoyed making content like with each other. We thought it would be like fun to like tackle that on and like, you know, like work out all together. 
um, not only make content for our own pages, but for like one collective page, but it's also like, it, it's something just bigger than us individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it represents something more than our, like our individual selves. Like we're, we're trying to represent and like make something bigger than just like, just us. Like we want to represent, you know, the state on that platform. And that's what we're trying to do. And we felt like it was best if we all kind of just made that account and we all posted on that rather than posting on individuals. And not only that, so it's not associated with one name. There's multiple people on that. So you can't just point out one person and be like, oh, that's that creator from there. No, we, we wanted to have like an umbrella of people that we thought like would work well together. So looking for more people to like work well together, of course, with us. But we wanted to have individuals represent our state and like all that rather than just one individual or multiple individuals doing it separately. Okay, so you decided when you came together uh, to to do a house to do what they call a state house, <laughs> not to be confused with the yeah. state house of legislators uh, on Beacon Hill here in uh, in Boston. But it means that you focus on all things Massachusetts. Now, what was the draw for you all in in deciding that? Well, me and the other person I founded it with, Mario, me and him were doing very well for ourselves on our personal accounts, doing videos about the state. Along with someone else that we also um, was in the original creation of the group, we were all doing very well in that. And we figured that if we had multiple people posting uh, multiple times a week on one, on this one subject, it would probably end up growing to be bigger than like just us individually, in which it did. It outgrew us at a very fast rate, which kind of just proves to us that we, we made the right decision in that regards. We just, we just thought that that was like the right decision. Okay. I'm going to give the listeners a chance to hear a clip from the Mass House. This is a, a, what the Massachusetts town you live in says about you. If you live in Chester, Mass, you're probably super duper smart and just don't like to show it. If you live in Framingham, I already know that you're probably going to college for financing. If you live in Wakefield, you're probably really pretty and really relaxed. If you're from Ocam, Mass, you probably just go around telling people you're from Boston because nobody knows where Ocam, Mass is. Okay, now, I just love that. <laughs> I thought that was very, very funny <laughs> and to the point because, guess what? I don't know where Ocam, Mass is. Where is it, by the way, Kyle? <laughs> I, I have. I actually have no idea, and I don't think uh, Alexis does either, but <laughs> I guess that's besides the point. <laughs> okay. Well, that was really interesting. One of the other things that you do on the um, the TikTok Mass house, which is you know what you are representing and managing, you do reviews. Now, this is my sweet spot because I just love a review. So let's listen to a clip of a Duncan review from the Mass House. All right, everybody, what's up? I just went to Dunks and got my usual strawberry dragon fruit refresher and my bagel bites. And then I saw that they had the new blueberry pomegranate refresher. So we're going to try it out. All right, so I got a small because I don't know if I'm going to like it. But this is what it looks like. Overall, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. It's okay. It's not disgusting. But it's like really sweet, if that makes sense. And I definitely like my strawberry dragon fruit one better. Now, where was she when I individually went through the line several times trying to taste which one might be better. <laughs> I didn't know you existed. This would have saved me a lot of time <laughs> going through. I think reviews and because it's Duncan and it's so related to Massachusetts, you know, you get like two or three double hits, which I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But that's, uh, I'm going to imagine, but you tell me that that's a quite popular feature of the Mass House. Is it? I'd say so. I mean, for a while, uh, we were doing a lot of reviews 
on my friend's individual account, he would uh, go to ice cream spots last summer and review places. So we kind of brought that over to the Mass House as well. But yeah, I, I'd say like we, we like going out to places and like trying stuff and especially like everyone loves Dunkin' around here for the most part. So we like to, you know, like uh, put our two cents in on that. Um, but it's always good to like, uh, you know, give like a review or something because like, like everyone's going to go like try it if they really want to. But it's always nice like beforehand to like see someone's opinion that you might recognize as well. And we just kind of like we kind of like doing that. And I actually hope to do more of that in the future as well. And uh, I hope that we can post more of that. But we definitely really enjoy doing that. OK, so the name of the game here on TikTok or to a large degree, uh, any space in social media is to gain viewers and the more viewers, the better. So how are you guys doing? Recently, I'm not going to lie. We've been a little bit off on that. I We've all been super busy. I just started college. Um, a couple of other people have too. At the moment, we're sitting around 98,000. Engagement-wise, I think we're down. However, that's only because we haven't been posting that much. I'm not going to lie. I can't give you the specific numbers on that. I can't really think of it right now. But um, I, I know that as soon as we get back into the groove of things, we, we tend to go on uh, what I like to call little rampages of posting. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time we tend to like really uh, settle in and like go on this like tear of posting consistently um our viewership and our um, our follower counts tend to jump up in the thousands and uh the viewers tend to trend up by at least 20 to 30 percent within like the first starting days of uh, posting more so um we're looking forward to actually doing that soon but like i can tell you we've gained so we started around a year ago and so we started around may 20 20 so we've gained almost almost 100,000 followers in a year because we've been sitting around that mark since may we've been sitting around 95,000 since may so we've been doing good for ourselves even though uh it could be a little bit better i'm not gonna lie but we've been doing pretty good for ourselves numbers wise if you're just tuning in this is under the radar with callie crossley i'm callie crossley and i'm speaking with rebecca jennings senior reporter at vox and kyle gove manager of the tiktok group the mass house we're talking about local and national tiktok fame which brings me back to you kyle for just a moment you're a bigger deal than the other state houses some of which we know about like the new york state one and so that's quite an accomplishment for a recently pulled together group i would say Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to move over to Rebecca because Rebecca, the the gaining of the views and the and the broadening of the audience is the name of the game. And what we have seen, those of us who are even just sort of barely paying attention, some TikTok stars have blown up. And I even know the names of some, which was ridiculous when we started this conversation. <laughs> I couldn't believe that I actually knew Charlie D'Amelo and her sister. So before we uh, continue with this, let's take a listen to a, a clip of TikTok stars. Dixie, who's 20 years old, and Charlie D'Amelio, 17 years old, on the Ellen DeGeneres show, speaking about their fame. In two years, you you were like just normal teens, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, now you have a TV show, you have a record deal, you have a clothing line. <laughs> what is that? What does that feel like this fast? We are still trying to adjust to this because. Most of our following was gained when we were at home in quarantine. So it was just like people online. And now that we're actually meeting people, we're like, oh, this is real. It's a, it's a really odd thing. It's definitely quite a big adjustment. But I mean, I have my sister and my mom and dad with me all the time to kind of help us navigate this whole thing. So it's it's going pretty good now. So, Rebecca, this has become big, big business. Tell me how it works that one day you can be doing dances in your bedroom, which is what uh, Charlie D'Amelio was doing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then the next day your TV show and branding everywhere else. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that has to do pretty much entirely with the way TikTok as a platform works. Because if you think about it, you know, on Instagram or YouTube, it takes like years or maybe months and years to get like a a sizable number of followers to really like gain an audience. Whereas on TikTok, like theoretically, you can have zero followers, post your first video, and it could go viral overnight and you could wake up with like 100,000. So, and it's like, obviously that's very unlikely, but because there's a few reasons why and one is because TikTok videos are very short so the viewership of each video is like way higher than like a typical YouTube video so you know if you get on people's for you pages which is the algorithmically generated feed that's attuned to each user and if so if you you know if your video ends up on the right person's for you page and if that person likes it then it gets shown to more and more people and then that's kind of how it snowballs and it can happen really really fast and regardless of you know who you follow on the app or who follows you, it can kind of happen to anybody. Mm. As you have written about some of this business, of particularly around the houses, you mentioned the Hype House and there's some others that people may know, can run into some sleaziness with uh, <laughs> naive yes. young people getting caught up with people who promise them all of this but have no access to it. Um, and it seemed it was really quite shocking to read your piece about, you know, how far yeah. some of this has gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the reason why you have a lot of managers preying on on young people is because they're so green, you know, like the, the, these teenagers have gotten famous really, really quickly. If they don't have parents who can guide them and, and tell like what a good business deal is and what isn't, you can get, you know, some really shady people theoretically DMing or, or emailing them being like, hey, I can give you all these brand sponsorships. I can get you really rich, really fast. And that could just be like some guy sitting on the computer because in order to like get a brand deal, all you really have to do is like monitor an email address and just be the conduit between like a person and brands coming for them. So managers and agents, like it's, it's already can be a really sketchy industry. And especially when you're dealing with kids who like are normal, the normal one day and then get super famous the next. And uh, TikTok itself is now trying to capture a little bit of the the glow, so to speak. They've created this creators fund Mm -hmm. in which they pay the most popular creators who gain a certain number of followers and views. Though I'm not sure, and maybe you can explain that how they algorithmically get there is unclear to the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. It's super, super confusing. And like most of the creators I talk to don't use the creator fund because they feel like when they do turn on the creator fund, it's like a little switch you can go in and just be like, hey, I want to make money per view. They notice that their view counts drop. So, you know, it's like TikTok is a complete black box, like most social media platforms. You know, you really are never going to know fully how it works because A, it's changing all the time and B, it's proprietary and it's their biggest asset. Um, so yeah, we will never fully know. Uh, but yeah, that's it's part of a bigger trend in social media where it's like, no creator is going to want to join your platform unless there's an opportunity to make money. And so TikTok wants to kind of cultivate that. Hmm. Now, I would be remiss if I did not mention this past summer, and you've written about this as well, uh, there was actually a strike by Black creators mm-hmm. on TikTok s- saying that uh, a lot of the creativity, some of the original work that they do gets stolen and or appropriated by people like the stars D'Amelio and Addison Ray is a name that I've heard quite a bit, and they don't get any credit for it. They get squeezed out. So before you mm-hmm. comment on it, here's YouTuber and former TikTok creator T. Noir explaining how Black TikTok creators haven't been getting credit for their content. 
That dance found its way to the cool kids table and popular creators such as Charlie D'Amelio started receiving worldwide recognition for doing this dance. And when I say worldwide recognition, I do not mean that lightly. They were getting signed to talent agencies, they were getting invited to late night talk shows, to the NBA All-Star Game, they were dancing with J-Lo for the Super Bowl challenge. Truly life-changing opportunities. And Jalea had to sit at home and watch other people become famous, not just popular, but Hollywood famous off of her hard work. And when Jalea was reaching out in the comments asking for credit for her dance, she was completely ignored and she was actually getting bullied in the comments. So, uh, Rebecca, what's happening with that now? Where are we in, with that situation? Oh, yeah, so totally. So I think part of it is a platform issue in the sense that, you know, when you reblog or retweet something on Twitter or on Tumblr, that original poster's username is attached to it. Whereas with a dance on TikTok, you're still doing the dance, but it's not like you can kind of give that original choreographer as much credit. So part of it's a platform issue. And second, it's just more of like an internet wide problem of like white people appropriating black culture in general, um, which is obviously a huge part of what this, what this conversation is about. But with the case of Jelaya, you know, she had created this, this 14 year old girl, she had created this amazing dance to the Renegade on another app. And then it spread through TikTok through some other people and then eventually, you know, it was a big story when like she finally got the credit that she deserved, but that wouldn't have happened without, you know, like the press basically reporting it out. It wouldn't have happened on TikTok. And I think that moment was really like a watershed for people now when they do a dance, like at least the bigger creators do, like they always credit the original choreographers because it's become such a topic of conversation. But then there's like another side of the black creator strike, which is, you know, TikTok's own algorithm, which, you know, has been kind of shown to suppress issues that and topics that it feels are controversial so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of reporting about that there's a lot of instances of like people posting stuff about like black lives matter and that not always getting you know the same amount of attention as something else and you know it, it and it like points to that as like hate speech or something when it's clearly not so there's like there's a ton of different ton of different issues coming together to form this black creator strike um, so that's that was very interesting. I mean, it got to the point that this summer when Megan Thee Stallion, who is usually somebody whose songs are instantly turned into a dance, mm -hmm. the creators actually made, some of the creators made videos showing them not creating a dance <laughs> to make their point yeah. that they weren't going to uh, allow anybody else to take uh, what they created. But the bottom line here, Rebecca, is for many can be serious money branding, celebrity, all of that. For most people who are involved at this level, will they become Charlie D'Amelio or <laughs> what's, what's, what's the chances? I mean, I think there's a few things. I think, you know, culture moves so fast, especially on TikTok, you know, like every couple of weeks, there's a new trend that everybody is talking about. And then a couple of days later, you're like, what are you even doing? So I think it's really, it's really hard to get that kind of fame and, and maintain it. I think that's the really hard thing. Like Charlie and Addison and a few others have been able to do it because they were, you know, among the first wave, they've, they've punctured into the mainstream consciousness in ways that I think it's really hard to do now, especially hard to maintain now. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very low chance, you know, that the, the the cultural mass imagination only has room for like so many people in it. And I think like we already, there's just so many famous people now. And even if you're kind of famous in your own niche, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be like 
super duper famous with like, you know, super lucrative brand deals. You might have a few, but it's not necessarily as much as the top, top creators because it's still, it sort of, it sort of replicates the exist, like the greater economic system where like there's a lot of money at the top and then not so much in the middle and the bottom. So if I hear you correctly, and Kyle, if you hear Rebecca correctly, it seems to me that you have a better shot if you're, you know, sort of stay in your lane a little bit, which is the lane you've created for the Mass House, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, you're here, you're in Massachusetts, we're going to do all things Massachusetts. So there's some opportunity there, perhaps. Or do you see that as an opportunity to go branding, but uh, maybe not to the Charlie D'Amelio level, but certainly something that could be well paid for all of you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that like where we are, like in our lane, like I think it's perfect. It fits us. Um, it fits us as individuals as well. I, as like one of like the owners and the managers, I'm not afraid to like tell like everyone on the account, like, hey, don't be afraid to make something that's not directly related to mass. Uh, we all need a break sometimes from making the same content. I've definitely felt that over the past couple months. But um, I, I think like staying in this lane of like focusing on Massachusetts content is definitely beneficial for like that type of stuff because we're not looking for that mainstream media type of attention. We're not looking for these crazy lucrative brand deals. We want to do what we can like in our lane and we don't really want to push ourselves too out there because I I also feel like once you start trying too hard to get to that point um, and like switch out of your lane, you start to go down a downward spiral if you're trying too hard and it's not like, and it's not meant to be, Um, which is why like I, I and like the others are content on where we are and what we're doing and what we're like, what we're going for in general. So it, it's definitely been fine doing that and having our brand deals in like a local scenery. We've been reached out to by a lot of local shops, amusement areas as well. That's one thing that we reached out to as well. Um, and it, it's, it's nice to like also like represent like a community when you're doing these things as well. Um, it makes it feel more rewarding actually, um, especially when that's what your content is like focused on. So I, I like, I like where we're at in terms of like that type of thing. Well, you got plenty of room to grow. If we look at, again, Charlie D'Amelio, she has 75.8 million followers. And by the way, she has no idea why she's so popular either. Um, and you guys are still growing, uh, but you're you know close to 100,000, so that's pretty good. But I love your saying, we, we like the local folks and we're going to make sure that they know who we are. So here's a clip of you, Kyle, posting on the Mass House account, trying to get on Dunkin' Donuts PR list. What's up everyone right now? I'm posted with my new Dunkin' Refresher Strawberry. This is my first tip, so let's review it as we're here. That's good. I usually don't like coffee from Dunkin', but that's good. Now I'm going to tell you why the Mass House deserves to be on the Dunkin' PR list. Dunkin' Donuts was founded in Mass. I think it would make sense if the Mass House is in it. I don't know. Uh, number two, we all drink Dunkin' Donuts and I love coffee. Especially me. Uh, number three is my crippling Dunkin' Donuts addiction. I really hope you guys consider us. Okay, Kyle, I love that. <laughs> I hope you got their attention. Did you get their attention yet? <laughs> um, sadly, not yet. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts, if you are tuning in, please, please reach out to us. Um, but sadly, no, although I would love to uh, talk with, even talk with anything regarding Dunkin' Donuts. Well, I have to say, I'm kind of a sucker for those Dunkin' Donut ads. So maybe one day I'll be looking at you, Kyle. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> Rebecca, a question for you. Where is TikTok now along the spectrum of social media as we think about Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat? And um, you mentioned Tumblr earlier. Where, where does that fit? 
I mean, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but in my sort of mind, as someone who sort of reports on this world and things, I mean, I think Facebook and Google, which includes YouTube and Instagram are still, you know, the top major four social media players. Um, and they're all located in the US. But I think outside of that, I would say TikTok is immediately after. As you mentioned, TikTok now has 1 billion monthly active users, which is just a crazy, crazy number. And I, I think that because all these tech websites are so scared of it. You know, like Mark Zuckerberg tried to buy it years ago. And, you know, now YouTube Shorts has come out, Instagram Reels has come out. Like every other site has tried to replicate its success to so far no avail. So I think what what the most important thing they have is, is their algorithm. And I don't see that being replicated anywhere else and kind of having as much or any cultural impact at all. I, I think it's huge, huge, huge in terms of setting the discussions around culture. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's really big. <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to underscore that because because some people may be listening to this saying, so what? Why do I need to know about this and why do I care? <laughs> but because of the influence, uh, and I'm not just talking about influencers, but I'm talking about the, the pop culture influence uh, across the board, I mean, whether or not you're actually watching a TikTok video, you don't even know that you've been impacted, presumably. And I, one of the questions I have for you is whether or not the former president, Donald Trump, threatening to ban it actually made it more popular. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, probably like he could not keep TikTok's name out of his mouth. So like that had to be some good publicity. I mean, the whole thing was just so ridiculous. You know, it was never really like under threat in any real way. It was just sort of like this you know, a straw man for his war against China, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, like, I, I do think it's sort of like that scene in The Devil Wears Prada where Meryl Streep is talking to Anne Hathaway about the blue sweater and like, she's wearing this normal blue sweater, but like, actually, there's a whole trail of people whose influence has gone into creating that blue sweater. And it's kind of understanding that chain of culture that TikTok kind of, it, it sort of demands its importance. All right, Kyle, do you see a time when you might be tired of this or you might want to do something different or uh, what? Where are you? Um, if I'm being quite <laughs> honest, sometimes it does get a little bit tiring. But I, I've been on a break because of school and uh, work over the summer. So uh, I'm actually kind of excited to get back into it. But I can see like uh, people having these points of fatigue, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Well, there's many more stories you can tell about Massachusetts, so you've got a lot of things to uncover yet. Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> For, and you have many different perspectives, which I guess is the whole point of the Mass House, because you, you don't have to do it alone. You have your several other people. Will you keep the same group? And I think you have 10 now. Are you thinking about adding others? Um, we're definitely thinking about adding others. We always like to uh, include new people, um, especially when, like, some people, like, they can't post or, like, you know, I wasn't able to post recently. So um, someone on the account, Alexis, has been taking over and posting a lot. She's one of the only people that you really see on the account posting consistently. So we're always looking for, like, people that are, like, willing to consistently post. I have to actually do some digging and information this week through some accounts to go over some people to see if uh, we can find anyone new to, to help us and uh, get on board. But um, I like the group of people that we have right now, like, the core of it. Um, the core of the group of people that we have right now is solid. Um, uh, gives really good ideas. Um, we get posts. Um, we get views on the posts that we make. Um, and it's a really good group of people. So I would I would hope that the core group of people that are posting right now sticks together. All right, Rebecca, you get the last word on this. 
are there new trends past the houses, the collectives uh, trend on TikTok that we should be looking toward that might be popping up uh, with regard to TikTok? <laughs> What's funny is that there's like 1,000 trends that are happening on TikTok at every <laughs> single moment. It's so overwhelming. And really like what what kind of bubbles up to the mainstream consciousness always confounds me. Like I, I can never just like predict. Remember like a couple of months ago, it was sea shanties. There was no reason that sea shanties <laughs> took over took over the news that much. And the word chuggy, it's like, these are such stupid, non-consequential things that just kind of, it, whatever algorithmic tweak happened, you know, that's what we're talking about that day. And so if you are a news person that likes to fill, you know, your last five minutes of the news broadcast with something goofy and weird, you just look on whatever's trending on TikTok that day. <laughs> well, I am totally obsessed with the hacks. I can spend hours <laughs> looking at the hacks of how to do something better. So I guess I'm guilty. <laughs> Thank you both for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Rebecca Jennings is a senior reporter covering internet culture at The Goods by Vox. Kyle Gove is owner and manager of the local TikTok group, The Mass House. Kyle is a freshman at the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. Coming up, digital art is hot this year. Walking into a gallery and handing over a stack of dollar bills for a framed painting is so old school. People are now logging onto online marketplaces and using cryptocurrencies to buy digital files of artwork. Is this crypto marketplace a more accessible way for artists to sell their work? That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley.